Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Jason Coleman, and you are listening to Things That Make You Go Hmm Book Review Podcast. And welcome to another episode of Things That Make You Go, hmm, book review podcast. I am your one-man book club, Jason Coleman. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. It's always great to be with you. Uh, I hope you guys had a very nice, restful holidays. I'm sure most of you are probably indoors or not doing a whole lot because of the quarantine, but maybe that's some time that you've had to work on some personal projects or catch up with some loved ones who you haven't spoken to in a while. Um, so, you know, that can be nice, too. I, I have found that um, I've had a lot more reflective time in my life. And with doing this podcast uh, a couple times a month, um, it's really helped me to explore some new ideas and topics for for books and discussions that I, I hope to bring you over the coming months. So so thank you again for um, spending a few minutes of your of your day with me. Um, it's always very flattering that somebody values what I have to say enough to to invest some time with me. So so thank you again. I, I do appreciate it. And a very very happy uh, 2021 uh, to everybody. Let's uh, let's hope that this year will certainly be better uh, than last year. All right. Without further ado, um, we are today. We're going to be talking about the book "The Art of Saying No" by Damon Zaharides, and I th- I think I've reviewed other books by Damon Zaharides. I don't know. I don't know if he's a um, a published author by some of the traditional um, book publishing companies. I became interested in Damon Zaharides because I'm very into. Well, one thing that you might find interesting about me is I'm very into checklists. Um, <laughs> with my, it's funny because you know as some of you probably know, my my profession is I'm a public school teacher. I have been for 20 years now. Um, I teach middle school. And my students, uh, they call me the checklist master because with just about every assignment or just about anything we do in the classroom, um, I normally will try to create some sort of a checklist. It's just kind of the way my brain works. Uh, the reason why this is interesting, I think, is because one of the reasons that I was inspired to to start making these podcasts for you is because I read I read the book um, by Atul Gawande, The Checklist Manifesto. It was one of the first books that I, I did my podcast on. And um, when people ask me, um, you know, what are some good books to start with if they want to get into nonfiction, um, you know, self-help, uh you know, politics, uh, you know, self-improvement, whatever the case is. I, that's usually one of the, the, the two books that I, I recommend are The Checklist Manifesto by Togo Wande and, of course, The Power of Habit by Charles Durhag is, you know, the, the other one. So anyway, Damon Zahardi's also wrote a book about checklists, which I also thought was excellent. Um, so I, I started getting into him, and he's a productivity guru, and I, I think I've read most of his books now um, off of Amazon. And what I liked about, even though most of his books were about productivity, at first when I, it seemed a, a bit like he was writing a psychology book by writing 
the art of saying no, but I now realize that your ability to say no to things is absolutely crucial to being able to be a more productive person. And I, I think he only talks about that tangentially, but the the point, the main point that I think he's trying to drive home here is that in order for you to be a productive person, you have to have a strong psychological well-being. And that just cannot happen until you learn to say no to things. Now, if you're anything like me, um, saying no is is difficult. And the author goes into some very succinct reasons um, with why saying no is so difficult. And I'm, I'll go ahead and get into those reasons here um, in a moment. But before I do, I, I want to say that I feel like saying no is just a form of setting boundaries with people. Um, they say that infants have trouble with boundaries. You know, that's why they're constantly testing your boundaries, seeing what they're able to get away with without getting in trouble um, or whatnot. <laughs> I actually disagree. I don't think that it's limited to toddlers. I think everybody to some, if you have a, a circle of family and friends, um, everybody is going to try to push up against your boundaries at some point. And setting boundaries uh, is difficult to do. And, you know, I, I use a lot of metaphors of fences and how, you know, you have to do maintenance on your fence or else it's, you know, it's going to eventually the wind and others, you know, small in, incursions, you know, onto your property are, are going to eventually wear your fence down. Uh, it's a tough balance. Um, I'm still working on this every day myself. Um, I always have to ask myself whether um, I feel like somebody is overstepping their boundaries or not. Um, I think, though, I will say, over time, once you become, once you have a mission statement for yourself, uh, I, I think that, and people understand where your boundaries are, I, I think it becomes easier to to maintain them, but I, I don't think your boundaries ever completely uh, go away. So, I'll give you an example. Like I have a, a good friend of mine and we, one of the things that I do is my hobby is I, I play a lot of board games. And with this one buddy I have, um, we we would get together and play board games uh, pretty frequently. But, you know, last couple years, I just find that, you know, whenever I would offer, he would just decline for, for various reasons. So I guess, I guess he has no problem saying no to me. Um, but what I had to do is, you know, last couple years... I basically, I stopped asking him um, because I felt as if, um, I felt like I was working a bit too hard on our relationship, honestly. And I don't think that that's healthy when one person is putting in way more effort than the other person is into a relationship. So um, so basically, I just kind of stopped asking him. Uh, and now, now if we ever get together, it's because he's invited me. And, and he does invite me to do things from time to time. Um, not as often as I would like, but you know, still it's, it's something I, I had to realize that his timetable is different than my timetable. Um, and that was an example of, um, you know, of setting some boundaries. Now from his point of view, you know, him saying no to me so many times that it eventually sunk into me that he wanted to have a, 
a different type of relationship. Like he doesn't want to meet like on a regular basis. He wants to meet from time to time when he when he feels like it. And that is complete. You know, at first, that kind of made me a little irritated. But look, but now that I, you know, I've read this book and I've reflected on a few things, I realize that that is 100 percent a totally sensible and rational thing that, you know, he wants to game when he feels like it, because this is how he wants to spend his leisure time. Um, which is great. OK, uh, now I now I realize that. And so now I realize that that's going to be the boundaries of our relationship um, if I'm available and he wants to game, he'll let me know. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much how I, I look at things now. Um, because I guess I, I don't feel like I've had a tremendously difficult time learning to say no because I do work in public education and anybody who works in education or, you know, works as a, a therapist, medicine, any sort of public service <laughs> they'll tell you pretty quickly that um, your career will very quickly conquer your life if you don't learn to say no. Um, it'll just completely overwhelm and overcome you. So I, I realized, you know, uh, it was it was kind of <laughs> I had this interesting awakening, and you know, we're kind of going back almost you know seventeen, eighteen years now. It was probably my third or fourth year of teaching. I don't I don't remember exactly, but. I can remember I was having um, a discussion with my supervisor, my principal, and she said, you know, I, I remember I was, I, at the time I was very young, I had a lot of energy, I just, you know, I really wanted to define myself as being a teacher, and so, you know, I was running five or ten clubs, I was staying after work to tutor kids, um, you know, the, the whole story, I was taking papers home to grade on the weekends, it, it was just, it was really just absorbing my life. And I thought that during my meeting with my supervisor, I thought my supervisor was going to say to me, you know, wow, Jason, you are just like an amazing employee. I mean, we are so lucky to have you here. Um, you know, you just, you, you know what, you really should just kind of pull back a little bit. Make sure you're getting yourself some rest. Teaching is, you know, you have a long career ahead of you. Uh, just learn to take it day by day. You know, feel free to just, you know, work a little bit less. <laughs> well, that was pretty <laughs> that was pretty naive and delusional of me because I realized no matter how much I did, there was always just a little bit more, one more thing that I was being asked to do. It, it sort of reminds me of, um, I don't know what the person's name was, but he was a a business uh, management consultant, and he had these, he came up with this idea called speed ups. And what he said is, if you just add a little bit more work to your employees' overall um, responsibilities, then you can increase productivity um, substantially. And so that's something that I was really affected by because I thought to myself, like, wow. They're just going to keep adding little speed ups to my my schedule time and time and time again until this career has just completely overwhelmed me. And I, I remember I read um, Ron Clark's book. Uh, I think it was called um, Moving Your Bus or Front of the Bus or something. I, I, I can't remember exactly. Uh, I wasn't that crazy about the book. But the one thing he did say, uh, you know, he's a you know, he runs a school himself. And he said that his highest performers, his, you know, his his superstar teachers, as he calls them, 
um, very often they do have personal problems at home because of how much their career is is absorbing them. So anyway, uh, getting back to my original point, um, I had to learn to say no to things uh, in order for my own professional survival. And I did. And I remember I was talking to my mom and I said, I, I can remember when I started saying no uh, to my supervisors um, politely. I just said, well, you know, I'm just a little overwhelmed right now. I think maybe somebody else would be better for, for that position right now or that, that committee or whatever the case is. And I, I told her, I said, you know, I, I was happy about it. I, you know, I, I was a little disappointed that I could tell I'd let some people down. But, you know, I mean, I, I still felt more empowered and my mom said, first thing out of her mouth, she said, oh, yeah, you're going, when you start saying no, you're going to start losing some friends. And I, you know, and, and so Damon's Hardy's, he talks about this in his book and he says, well, there's a few reasons why um, saying no can be a problem. Okay. And uh, basically what he says is that we're taught to say no to, we're taught not to say no at a very young age because, well, for example, you know, me as a school teacher, when I tell my students to do something, I, you know, they're not really allowed to say no to me. So, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, we teach kids at a very young age not to say no. And sometimes for good reason. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we understand the way the world works a lot better than kids do. You know, we can't have them getting hurt. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is completely irrational to do this, but at the same time, um, what he says is that people have, very often people have unrealistic expectations of us. So, for example, if I want somebody to, um, I don't know, drop what they're doing to come over to my house and play some board games with me, right? It's unrealistic for me to expect that some adult can has the opportunity to just drop what they're doing and, and come hang out, okay? Or I also have to realize that if people are going to hang out with me, spend time with me, I'm going to be low on that priority list, okay? I mean, people have families, they have friends, they have children, they have commitments. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they like to hang out, but, you know, I'm, I'm low on the priority list, and I, I have to remember that. I think in the past, I had this expectation that I was very high on people's priority list, and that's just, that's just not the case, so I, I think that, that the book has helped me in that respect, too, is I'm thinking about, um, you know, what, you know, what is the expectations I have when I ask for a favor? What is somebody's expectations of me when they ask for a favor? Another reason why we don't like to say no is we don't want people to think that we're bad people. My, my wife is is really like this, totally. She... She goes through great lengths to make sure that she doesn't inconvenience somebody else. And she gets very irritated with me when she feels like I'm inconveniencing somebody else. So, you know, we want other people to have a good opinion of us. And when we say no, we worry that other people will have a lower opinion of us. I don't know if that's completely true, though. I think that in the short term, um, people will probably have a lower opinion of us when we learn to say no. But I think over time, people will actually begin to respect respect you more as a person. And they, they'll just be, you know, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, they'll learn to understand where their boundaries are. 
you know, uh, with you. They'll understand that there are certain things you're willing to do. There's certain things you're not willing to do. Maybe you want to continue a relationship with a person. Maybe you don't. You know, it. The, the, the crux of what the author is saying here is that there's only so many hours in a day, okay? Um, we only have, you know, uh, I don't know, when you factor in how much sleep you need to get, when you factor in, you know, preparing for bed, waking up from bed, basic maintenance, health and maintenance, I mean, what, you know, your, your work schedule... I mean, what do you really have? Two or three hours every day, um, you know, that you can you can dedicate to things. I mean, the weekends are might be somebody's only time that they really have to uh, to rest, um, you know, from 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 the chaotic week that they've had. So every time that we say yes to doing something, we're saying no to something else. Like for example, if I say yes to wanting to help somebody. Uh, you know, move, right? Being a mover. I'm also saying, I'm probably saying no to being able to watch the game on television, uh, to playing some video games, to reading a book, some of the things that I was looking forward to doing over the weekend. So just be aware of that, that, you know, every time you agree to do something, you are um, agreeing not to do something else, probably something that you were looking forward to. Um, what are the tactics? The author gives a few tactics um, about how to say no. And, and one of the things that, that they stress is, is practicing saying no. Because saying no, is, it's pretty awkward at first, especially if you're not used to it. So look for places to, to practice saying no. So for example, um, very often when I'm at the grocery store at the, the checkout line, um, the cashier will ask me if I want to donate a dollar, two dollars to to a cause. And, you know, um, that is a great place to, to say no. They, I mean, it really doesn't matter that much to the cashier. <laughs> they don't know you. They don't they're not going to have an opinion of you. And so what if they do? OK, um, I don't want to get into the ethics. It's a whole nother debate. But I genuinely don't give money to panhandlers or homeless people who um accost me on the streets um and you know again I don't I don't care if strange similar to the cashiers is with homeless people I don't I don't really care that much if strangers have a low opinion of me they don't even know me so you know uh, or telemarketers you know very often people will stay on the phone with the telemarketer because they don't want to be rude and, and just hang up so those are all great places to learn to just say no not interested um <clears throat> We got a good, my wife and I got a good hard lesson in saying no uh, one time when we took a vacation to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to Cabo San Lucas before, but Cabo San Lucas is like the timeshare capital of the world. Um, and so, you know, they're constantly doing timeshare presentations. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a timeshare presentation, but... Basically, what they do is they, they give you breakfast and they normally give you a few gifts. And what they want you to do is um, for, for donating your time, they, they want you to listen to about an hour-long presentation um, about buying a timeshare. And at the end of it, you have to make a decision whether you want to buy the timeshare or not. So <laughs> it was really interesting because... Uh, so my wife and I, we did this presentation and this is, you know, we're going back 10 years ago. This is what we did for our honeymoon. Um, 
And at the end of the presentation, there's this large like kind of ballroom in a hotel. And they, basically what they want you to do is they want you to buy this timeshare. Uh, you get to spend like a week at the timeshare, per, you know, once per year. Uh, you pay some maintenance fees. You pay like a flat fee. And, and basically you own the apartment for one week out of the year. And they really dress it up to be like this really amazing, great investment. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into a full discussion about whether somebody should own a timeshare or not, but whatever the case was, it wasn't right for my wife and I. Now, when we got there, we noticed that, you know, there was, you know, dozens of couples that were, you know, in this ballroom listening to this presentation. And there was this one couple that was um, kind of right next to us. And right after the, they, they gave this presentation, um, we noticed they were gone. Okay. And we noticed they had a very stern look on their face. They didn't, they didn't say a whole lot. Uh, and after the guy finished his 20-minute presentation, they left. Okay. Now, we know they didn't buy the timeshare because they have this ritual where when you buy a timeshare, they like pop like a cork of champagne open so you can hear corks like popping all over the, the ballroom. I'm, I'm sure that they've put in a lot of thought and planning with how they were going to do the sales pitch. But my wife and I, being the very nice young newlyweds that we were, we were just saying, you know, we, were, we, we weren't firm in our... Um, in, in how we were saying no. We would say things like, well... Maybe not. I mean, I, we just don't. It just doesn't seem right for us. You know, it's just it's a bit expensive. Uh, we, you know, it's just not really something we're looking at doing right now. You know, and we know. I'm not kidding you. Every time we, you know, gently said no to one salesperson because we wanted to be nice, a different salesperson would come in and give us a slightly different pitch, and they would start organizing the numbers, and they would. Oh man, it this went on for. We were seriously there for like three hours and the other couple was only there for about 20 minutes. So I learned at that point, if we had just said flat out, we're not interested, it's not going to work for us, the answer is no. They would have let us go, <laughs> okay? But we, in, on, on some level, we gave them permission to absorb more and more of our time with the with the presentation because we were unable to firmly say no. So that gave that gave us a, a very strict lesson um, in saying no. And, you know, at, one of the things, too, is that we we don't want to seem selfish. I remember I, I asked my mom, I said, what what do you consider? Do you consider it selfish when you don't want to do things for other people? And my mom, she had this really interesting answer. She said, well, it depends. She said, if you are responsible for somebody and you don't want to do something for them, if you don't feel like making your kid dinner, yeah, that's being selfish because other people are suffering because of you. But if you are trying to preserve your own mental health by not doing a favor for somebody, then, you know, that's just, you're just being self-interested, basically. So it's a tough balance. I'm still working on it myself i i have a i just think about this um family member who i'm very close to um who has a daughter and her daughter cannot does not take no for an answer and so it's caused a lot of conflicts between them and and i tell her i say you know it's not really it's not your responsibility to control how people think of you uh, you know at the end of the day you're responsible for your own mental and physical health. And so, you know, that's been a work in progress as well. So 
I, I just think that this book is absolutely essential uh, to anybody who is trying to learn to set boundaries with others, who is trying to remove the guilt that they might have for not meeting um, somebody else's expectations of us. Um, a really just it's a very short to the point focused book on a technique that I believe is absolutely essential for our own survival. And that is The Art of Saying No by Dehaman Saharides. Okay, well, that's about it for now. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up now. Um, I try to keep these podcasts to around 20 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed. Um, I'll be back in a couple weeks uh, with another podcast uh, for you guys on another uh, book review. Um, as I said before, I don't know where you're getting my podcast from, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, um, Amazon podcasts. I'm, I'm not really sure. But uh, if there's any way that if you could give me a you know, nice rating, uh, it'll, it'll improve the algorithm. It'll you know, make sure that more people get the opportunity to listen to this, which is just very validating for me and really gives me the motivation to, to keep doing these. So um, again, thank you for making it to the end of the episode. I do appreciate it. Um, and, uh, I will talk to you soon and as always happy reading.